which stars and which constellations at what cross quarters are observable. What are they doing? What is the story of how they engage with each other? What what stories are they telling us, right? I always come back to um, I always come back to this same quote from Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell about how fairy tales are fairies telling stories about humans and not actually humans telling stories about fairies, right? And so I, I love looking at it through that sort of inverse um, lens. And that's that's what I mean when I say fairy fate. I find that uh, there's always a sublunar reflection. Whatever seems celestial, whatever seems firmamental, is found in the soil, is found in the trees. I mean, trees and their connections to the stars is something providential. I mean, the fundamentals of astrological magic and talismanic image magic remind us of how much herbs are a part of planetary and celestial uh, sorcery as well. These things go hand in hand. I have found personally in my work too, and this is really um, proven throughout the corpus of folklore as well, that stars and constellations have phonic gates, have their under, you know, underground caves, have their weird, strange uh, aquamarine pools beneath the earth, etc. All these different ways that we gaze upwards for recognition and understanding, we also find below too. So there is a mirror, there is a reflection going on what it means to be a uh, oracular writer to channeling writing or to be used as the, um, the the flesh suit through which spirit shares and communicates yeah. or relates certain messages that you don't understand entirely like why they chose you for yeah. but seems to be be a thing that you can't really get out of the proverbial spirit gun to your head Hello, hello, and welcome to the Spirit Box Podcast, where we explore folklore, magic, the world of the spirits, and everything in between. Today, I'm very happy to welcome back on the show the brilliant Sasha Ravitch. Now, for those who don't know, Sasha is a practitioner of stellar witchcraft. She's a passionate astrolator and devotional and oracle writer. She seeks out meaning, magic, patterns, connection, and intimate co-creation betwixt the self and the other in every golden meadow, ocean floor, and stubway station available to her. Her desire to blur the line between the ensorcelled forest of Elfheim and the mundane road more travelled is a priority from the moment she wakes up to the moment she falls asleep. I hope that helps set the scene for you. Now in the show, Sasha and I discuss her work in stellar witchcraft and the experience of being a vessel for received writing. What's that like and how it differs from inspiration? We talk about how one undergoes changes in lifestyle in preparation of this work to come. Now, you may notice there are some clunky edits in the show. It's entirely my fault. And it's down to some pauses in the conversation to compare magical notes, which unfortunately are not for the airwaves. Now, sorry to be all secret squirrel about it, but rules are rules. Now, in the Plus Show, we discuss the process of finishing a book and our experiences with the Witch Father, our old friend, the Dark Man. And Sasha has some fantastic insight into him and, uh, and her experiences. So, if you want to hear the Plus Show, you know what to do. Simply join the Patreon and get the entire Plus Show back catalogue and bonus show extras. If you're watching this on the YouTubes, Hit the bell and remember to subscribe. Right, without further ado, let's get into it. Wonderful. So, Sasha Ravitch, you are very, very welcome back to the Spirit Box. Nice to see you again. Thank you so much for having me, Dara. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to give people a, a quick refresher of you and your work. Can you give us your 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 bio? Oh, give my oh my God, Lord! How do I? Uh, I always freeze when I have to do this because <laughs> I feel like sometimes it changes every single day, which is maybe the virtue of the work itself. Um, yeah. 
my primary focus that I would say like what I'm professionally known for at this point is um, what I've coined stellar witchcraft. So this is a uh, a witchcraft that originates from, through, and around uh, the fixed stars and the constellations and the firmament sort of in general. So planets do become a part of that as well. But all of it is through the milieu of my own initiatory traditions and practices around fairy seership uh, and that particular loci of lenses that I use. So my, I would say part of my major work now, especially with my forthcoming grimoire that I'm working on is that we talk about the fairy faith, but what about the faith of fairy? Um, and so I looked for the connection and the unity between these other than human spirits and the fixed stars. I work uh, doing one-on-one -on -one consultations. A lot of that is really spirit sight and scrying based, uh, but also rooted in different types of ancient forms of astrological mm -hmm. praxis. Uh, but I also have a really flourishing Patreon and Discord community where we do collectively a lot of folkloric research, a lot of practice, a lot of sharing of experiences. Um, and through that, I've been dropping a lot of my invocational works uh, and different pieces of the book along the way. So that's predominantly what I do at this point. Now, um, this, this, the stellar element of this, as we kind of... Um in the preparation for the show when we were messaging back and forth i i mentioned that i i, I have no comprehension or knowledge of astrology uh, at all and um so the complexity of what you do i find really fascinating because i've got the kind of the top line of of um of the of the, the main uh work that people are people exploring are known for but the the fact that you kind of tie these spirits to stars and and how that um builds out for people is it's just astonishing you. you know uh really is um and for for people who were kind of like me who were totally <laughs> new to it you know what can you tell us about say like that like the those key stars uh, and the type of spirits that they are they're uh, associated with. I mean, I think people are familiar with planetary energies, but less so with yeah. stellar. Well, the that's a great question. And I mean, when it comes down to key stars, it's so contingent upon the person because each person is going to have heightened relationships, more fortified stellar packs with particular constellations and stars based upon the time and location of their birth, the type of spirits that they're already drawn to, and that are in their court, because in my experience, pretty much all spirits have some sort of relationship, um, some sort of fealty, some sort of stellar door through which they traverse, through which they walk through. Um, I have found, uh, because of how expansive, because of how difficult it is to sort of just pinpoint in general, that it really helps to have some organizational structure. So for instance, within the forthcoming uh, book TM, we have uh, my system where I've organized them around the four Persian royal stars, um, looking at respective kingdoms. Uh, so for instance, we'll, we'll use an example of um, the kingdom of Vermilion Meadows, right? Which is of the constellation Taurus and the fixed star uh, with, as the crown, Aldebaran. And because of the different virtues, taboos, uh, values, gifts, uh, spirits, et cetera, that we find circulating within this particular kingdom, under the auspices of these particular stars and constellations, we're able to sort of, or I have taken upon myself to be audacious enough um, to group and sort of lasso and rein in other stars and constellations, which align with those same, in particular values, right? Because I see these four stars as different, essentially fairy courts uh, that all have particular taboos, uh, particular boons, particular banes that are associated with them. And because we can, we can ascertain those patterns and, and constellate them together. We're also therefore able to suss out and then through divination, scrying, um, incorporation and different other techniques validate that certain stars and constellations really operate and work well under particular royal stars. And those royal stars are sovereign, right? Even the other stars in the sky recognize a crown when they see it. You know, we don't like to talk about it, but the spirit world has a lot of hierarchy going on, right? The bureaucracy and the hierarchy, unfortunately, is not just limited to human beings. Um, so that's the, the way in which I can create systems that allow people to understand 
more easily, okay, these are the stars that are more important for me, or this is the kingdom that I really need to go before and propitiate first as my gateway to this celestial sea, as my gateway to working with different types of spirits that we find. Aldebaran, for instance, has a lot of the uh, night spirits, has a lot of uh, wild hunt spirits, a lot of uh, different types of horned gods, right? We're literally looking at a star that's the eye of a bull. Uh, we can almost always find immediate folklore that pertains to those things, especially from a more Brythonic or Arthurian lens, but we see this across the board. Whereas uh, the kingdom of burnt umble sepulchers, as I call it, which is for the constellation Scorpius and his crown star in Antares, is much more of the um, vampiric or unseelie or uh, less uh, adhering to human morals, values, etc. I call them the initiatory uh, kingdom. They're the psychic surgeons. They're the ones that when you're in the initiatory process are going to come in and rip open the body, rearrange the organs, take the bone, replace something else in there, get their hands dirty, do that kind of more um, blood of the earth, kind of uh, fecund, thonic, and also usually deeply disturbing uh, kind, of, uh, kind of witchcraft. Uh, and they have their own oaths and taboos and, and pacts and secrecy there as well. So those are uh, those are stars that I constellate, essentially, what other stars are important for people around, which is a long way of saying it depends on the person, but there are ways in which that ultimately we look for some kind of organizational structure because we are we are fallible and we need such a thing, even if the yeah. spirits don't always. Right, right. Fantastic. Um, I think I've met those psychic surgeons in <laughs> your description. <laughs> Every everyone who uh, has had some of their own stuff going on is at one point <laughs> at that point had the uh, pleasure, the the privilege, yeah. of this particular cast. Yes, having one's deck shuffled. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely the case. Um, it, it I, I find it so intriguing though that um particularly looking at that kind of chthonic um entities and chthonic spirits that we very much associate with the underworld you know with, with death that um have this like stellar yes equivalency yeah yeah it's really intriguing i find that uh there's always a sublunar reflection whatever seems celestial whatever seems firmamental is found in the soil, is found in the trees. I mean, trees and their connections to the stars is something providential. I mean, the fundamentals of astrological magic and talismanic image magic remind us of how much herbs are a part of planetary and celestial uh, sorcery as well. These things go hand in hand. I have found personally in my work too, and this is really um, proven throughout the corpus of folklore as well, that stars and constellations have thonic gates, have their under, you know, underground caves, have their weird, strange uh, aquamarine pools beneath the earth, et cetera. All these different ways that we gaze upwards for recognition and understanding, we also find below too. So there is a mirror, there is a reflection going on. And a lot of times more... Um, terrestrially bound spirits still have their, I mean, perhaps without exception, have their celestial or stellar, stellar ties. And I think, for instance, um, the Glastonbury Tour is a really good example of this, where it is uh, evidenced, right? It's it's talked about how uh, with, within the, the hill itself, within the tour itself, is this planetarium, is this accurate representation surrounding the glass castle that shows every star in the sky and that you can kind of travel between the two, between the heavens itself and into the heavens beneath the tour. And these are, are gateways to each other. They're, I don't often like to use this word, but like a portal of some sort, yeah. you know? Yeah. Extraordinary. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't aware of that about the the tour. You know, I knew the, the idea of the lake and, um, yes. and, and um, the king under the mountain with, with uh, Gwyn Avnud. Yeah. Um, uh, well, and he is he is considered the the astronomer, right? He's the mm -hmm. astrologer of the Brythonic pantheon. He's one of the primary ones. I think there's actually three. Um, and so yeah. there's that is the connection. That's why they have why uh, Glastonbury slash Avalon has the Gwynepneath uh, zodiac, as they call yeah. it. It's a whole book on it. 
that's great. Cool. Have to have to check that out. Um, <clears throat> so so um, fantastic stuff about about the tour. There's there's so much uh, so much rich folklore about that area of the world. Um, yes. Yeah. It it really is. It really is. Um, it's mind blowing. There's always some new layer to it at all. You know. Um, the more you explore, the more you find. Um, Absolutely. You know. Um, in terms of kind of you, you know you mentioned with your work that there's um like the fairy faith is is intertwined in that what does what does that look like well and when i when i use it right because we're used to i think within the the greater witchcraft diaspora um looking at the fairy faith as people that have a practice a craft a faith a work around fairy uh, and for me, when I say the fairy faith, I mean the faith that the fair folk themselves possess, engage in, which for me is astrology, right? This understanding, this worship, this sorcery, this connection, uh, this embodiment of the stars. This is something that we see corroborated in a lot of folklore. Uh, this is something that is especially evident, I think, most easily and perhaps most easily translated into uh, English at this point in a lot of Arthurian legend as well. Um, but this is what I mean when I say something like that. I don't love using the word faith there because I think it is a relatively unnuanced and uncomplicated way when we use it in a reductive colloquial way, not like not the actual very magnanimous definition. Um, but I, I find that it is almost a little bit reductive, but I kind of put a spin on it, right? That my my interest is not just my faith, my belief in these spirits, that's not a faith or belief for me. That's a thing that I know to be inherent, like true, right? I don't have to leverage myself into um, arguing with doubt around that. But when I say the, when I say that, I mean specifically what faith, what worship, what devotion, what rituals, uh, what magics are practiced by those I'm in relationship with. Because for me, that's an, ex that has to be an extension of my own faith, of my own process. Whatever the spirits that so bestow my life with gifts, with blessing, with with provenance, um, uh, that's what I also am interested in believing in, what they believe in, right? That gives them that ability. And so through my work, I've become increasingly um, convinced due to not just my own work by myself, but through the wonderful relationship of so many peers who also work in the world of astrology, but uh, similarly have relationship to the gentry, to the to the shining ones, um, I become really convinced of the trueness of this. And Morgan Daimler does a really amazing job as well in Living Fairy, sort of discussing the connection in particular. She focuses on the Pleiades um, in that, but she's a, another person who's kind of made this direct sort of connection as well between the, the beliefs, the practices of fairy, and as well uh, this celestial stellar component, and especially observable stellar component which stars and which constellations at what cross quarters are observable what are they doing what is the story of how they engage with each other what what stories are they telling us right I always come back to um I always come back to this same quote from Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell about how fairy tales are fairies telling stories about humans and not actually humans telling stories about fairies right and so I, I love looking at it through that sort of inverse um lens and that's that's what i mean when i say very faith interesting and and I, I particularly like how you you frame it there with the that that quote from um uh was it mr norrell doctor uh, yeah jonathan yeah. strange and mr norrell. Yeah, yeah i have a copy of massive <laughs> i think the lady took 11 years to write it i can't remember read this somewhere um so it's, it's a proper masterpiece that one yeah uh, it is that's that's a lovely inflection, and 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 really makes me think about well, what's our relationship to the fairies? Like, how do they yeah. see us? You know, and what's what's your take on that? <laughs> that's a very hard question. There, um, <laughs> another one that depends on the person, right? Uh, mm. And I think it, it we see. The results of when a unreciprocated relationship is uh, attempted to be brokered, 
and we see the results when a well-received one mm -hmm. is brokered as well. Uh, so we see everything from a beautiful, amazing, blessed, fulfilling, you know, miraculous beyond belief life mm -hmm. to a totally fairy mad uh, and, yeah. and torturous one. I think it depends as much on the person as it does on the fairy they encounter as, as the person they, uh, they approach just as all relationships with humans tend to go as well, right? You can find yeah. a wonderful patron if that's the right match. And if it isn't, you're uh, going to get the police called on you for <laughs> trying to, you know, shake them down for a yeah. little change or something. So I sure. do think that it, it is uh, no no one size fits all as far as mm -hmm. that goes. Um, the, the Irish uh, Shana Key, um, Eddie Lenahan. Um, oh, he, he's special. He, he is special. Yeah, he is. He's wonderful. Um, we grew up with him on TV, so he oh. had like um, he had a TV show called the, the Storyteller, which I think you can find some old YouTube. I sent you some YouTube. Yeah, I've seen some of them on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was on our our telly when we were kids. Um, and but he's a, a wonderful book, which I'm sure you you know. Um, meeting the other crowd, um, which is a collection of his his collection of stories uh, that he's gathered around. Um, I think it's uh. East Clare, it's County Clare anyway, uh, but whether it's East Clare or West, I can't remember, um, about um, uh, the other crowd. And one of the things that he says in the book, and he, he mentions it a couple of times, is the fairies need us for their business, but who knows what that business is. Yes. You know, yeah. um, which I think is quite key to our relationship. Absolutely. So, you know, um, what I want to, to to ask you a bit about as well, because I know we we had a couple of discussions um in the run up to this around um how your practice has changed and as kind of as kind of as developed uh, and and grown um quite quite recently um and I was wondering you know is there certain areas that you'd be comfortable to to share with the audience? Yeah, I mean there. Uh... God, where where does one even begin, right? Um, I I find that all initiatory experiences are both experiences which demand to be discussed in some way, uh, and have just implicit taboos around that inherent discussion. So you find yourself within this nexus. It's like veritable crossroads of um, speaking without speaking, or saying without saying, or uh, tapping every other string of the spider web to see if it can create a comprehensive song while while respecting the notes that must go unheard. Um, but I, I do feel comfortable sort of talking about perhaps the nexus of sacrifice and Halloween that I find are maybe intrinsic to all initiatory experiences. And for me now have become really pivotal toward the work that I'm doing, right? Because We've had conversations, especially around what it means to be a, a more oracular writer, to channeling writing, or to be used as the um, the, the flesh suit through which spirit shares and communicates yeah. or relates certain messages that you don't understand entirely, like why they chose you for, yeah. but seems to be a, be a thing that you can't really get out of the proverbial spirit gun to your head. Um, and I have found one sort of, I guess, framework to be really pivotal for my understanding for myself. And like, I want to keep in mind that this is this is unique to my my spirits and my practice and a lot of the stars that show up within my nativity. So it's not a one size fits all, yeah. again, kind of exploration. But I've really relied upon uh, Grail Mythos in particular for myself. Now, this is interesting to someone like my spirits don't want anything to do with uh, with Christianity, with saints, with any of these things, right? But the, the, the Arthurian lore still remains pretty strong. Right. Even before that, I started off, as so many of us do, as like a Thelemite, you know, in my teens, uh, really uh, enraptured by this idea of Babylon's yeah. cup, right? And the blood of the martyrs that uh, that is held within there. Um, and then that's that's evolved over time, whether it's like the Cauldron of Thrawn or any of the cauldrons yeah. that we find within the Pan-Celtic and Brythonic lore, 
Um, I mean, this is, it, it relates to certain uh, Arabic uh, folklore as well. It relates to Roma folklore as well. There's just like a, it's a, mm-hmm. a cross, cross my cultural mythos so that it really can um, find a home within. And focusing on that idea of, of the grail, right? And the Halloween of the body to remain a pure vessel. And like, what does pure mean? Like, I'm obviously not a, a, a pure person. I don't think that you can say that you're a witch and be a pure person or be called a witch and be a pure person, right? Uh, but the idea still of keeping the selfhood the, the and the body sanctified by whatever your spirits is, images and standard, right? So specific to the spirits you can work with, those could be filth and rot related spirits and purity is going to look a certain way compared to another cast of spirits, right? But regardless, I, this idea of the body as this um, hallowed vessel and and freeing it from whatever those spirits regard as a certain poison, right? Something that is going to interfere with or intercept the messages that are supposed to come through you, the way you are supposed to be a, a sort of steward of their of their arcana on, on earth um, and how you can engage in prophetic or oracular participation um, to write from a place of your spirits as opposed to writing from just your spirit. Uh, so that for me has been an ongoing story. And in recent years, it's looked, so, I mean, on some level, somewhat mundane, right? Um, the more I have done this type of work, the more it's built, before, the more it's been affirmed by my mentors, my spirits, my peers, it, it, whatever, right? That this is the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, the more restrictions have uh, have arisen in the mm-hmm. wake of all of that too. And some of these looked pretty like mundane uh, for in, maybe a little over a year ago. I was I had to give up completely um, gluten and I had to give up completely caffeine, right? Or specifically mm-hmm. coffee. I'm allowed a little bit of caffeinated tea, like with there's something I really need to do. Yeah. Uh, but it is minimal, right? And then in the wake of a really intense influx of other kind of initiatory stuff over the uh, six six or so past months, this has looked like giving up uh, all refined sugar, giving up uh, all all dairy, all different types of fat, basically restricting and restricting away until I, of course, you know, there's always this, um, interesting complementary matter to things like my body functions much better this way. Um, my body functions much better, not eating these things, mm-hmm. which came first, the body's needs or the spirit's needs. Like it's really mm-hmm. hard to suss those things out. I don't always think they're separate, right? I think we're kind of built and rebuilt in particular ways, mm-hmm. um, that facilitate particular messages. But I know that being able to cultivate the discipline to maintain those sacrifices and adhere to those certain taboos have also brought to light different underlying medical conditions that I may have had that have needed to be treated uh, or emphases on certain types of exercise that are needed to remain active. Um, because in my, in my path that is so heavily influenced by water and water spirits, and spirits that are connected to the the idea of water as the other world, as this uh, unwoven of 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 the aqueous. Um, that's looked like recognizing how to not keep standing water in the body and move sweet waters, salt waters, whatever, living water through the body, right? The the body as as the holy well, the body as the chalice, the body as all of these things that needs to remain pure of whatever poisons. So it's interesting because people have asked me, do you think that these restrictions uh, reflect your spirits? And I think maybe, right? There's a lot of folklore that would corroborate that. But I also think your spirits are going to want you to give up the things that are going to poison you and get in the way of you being able to do the work too. And a lot of times uh, they're unafraid to make that very, 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 very clear in a very, very, very visceral way. So those have been some of the changes, especially for the kind of work that I have been asked to do that have come up, or at least those are the ones that are easiest to talk about, right? A lot of the other ones, the words start to get funny and the walls start to blend at the edges and we start accessing uh, territory that is off limits for public discourse. Yeah, Um, yeah. 
I mean, I, oh, go ahead. you've just articulated that beautifully. You really have, oh, you. you know, um, having just been through that for the entirety of last year, you know, okay. you, you really, yeah, summated, so you, know. yeah you, you really summated it fantastically, you know, um, and, and interestingly, caffeine went. It's uh, one of the, it's uh, one of the first that I've, it no. seems to be, it seems to be in, in a lot of traditions too, like, uh, seen yeah. it across the board yeah uh, it, it, it's it's a very strange experience as a whole i mean you you you've summit as i said you, you you've you've articulated beautifully and and how how i saw it looking back now really kind of because uh, i wasn't entirely aware of what was happening all the way through you know but i felt like i was put on a, a kind of a i had my own kind of spirit personal trainer yeah absolutely you know, you know it was it was very clear directions and and the first six months of the year in the in the build up to kind of doing the work yeah was was very intense like constant gym like um and and like um in in a way that I hadn't really managed to do before I never had the discipline yeah. you know same and, yeah um and then the writing was um speaking frankly you know it was tough was physically tough extremely draining you know um and all the kind of benefits that i had for the that gain from the gym literally you know <laughs> they all went you know with the 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 kind of the impact on, on my body you know and and how i was managing the whole process uh, yeah. so like I, I look back at it now and i think it was preparation to get you in a good position to yes do the work the stamina to be able to yeah 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 i i had like had never been able to stick with like a personal like a, a physical fitness regimen uh all the dietary restrictions i would do like you know good for six weeks or whatever or maybe mm. or something but i could not have kept it up like this and yeah. something internally shifts like it isn't just about like oh i do feel better or yeah. i want my spirits to be happy there is a uh, real in that process where you just accept this is what i need to do to do what i am doing this is what i need to do in order to be able to fill some sort of uh a meaning mm -hmm. that has been enacted or conjured before me and the ways I used to fight or resist or, you know, sulk about having to give up certain things. I just don't feel any of that before, which is almost more on any than the work itself, right? Mm, yeah. Like, oh, I do this thing now. Like, I am a person who does, I am, I'm a person who <laughs> doesn't have any refined sugar, like, or yeah. any dairy when cheese was my favorite thing in the world. You know, it's, it's fascinating. You just don't miss it the way you would have expected. That's true. Yeah, that's that's really true. I mean, I've I've I don't I don't have alcohol, you know. And, yeah, uh, I don't have. Yeah, that's another one I don't have. Yeah. And yeah. I loved alcohol. <laughs> 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 but you know, it, it, it's I haven't I haven't really felt it. I haven't missed it. You know, it's just the gone. Capacity to like hear your capacity to see mm. seem to be the first things to go right like mm. i was i have adhd i depended on after you know i'd given up um like ritalin and adderall through my through school mm -hmm. or whatever i depended on caffeine to like collect the thought now the whole idea was not collecting your thoughts together because you're not doing the thinking you know like if you are too much in the front of your brain if you cerebral if you are too uh anxious or analytical about whatever kind of message is coming through yeah. you're not open to hearing a thing like that's you constructing meaning you constructing delineation you constructing these things yeah. and i found that they want me to go in kind of like partially out of it already kind of like oh i'm just you know like smooth brain just gonna sit here and then your mouth you know opens and unfurls a thousand serpents with something different to say each and every one of them you know and you're like oh <laughs> that wasn't me yeah, yeah yeah totally i i started writing poetry you know yes that's a, like, yeah, that's a huge part like, of it. like that's the, not not my uh my natural area of expertise you know uh, it's the language of the other yeah it really is 
Um, what was I going to say? Um, there were there were there's something that I do, I do speak about a lot on 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 the show and kind of just generally have a go at um at social media, like and you know apart from all the obvious reasons why one would do that, you know, and there are many, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's it's from a very similar place. Was well, from the exact same place, you know. It, it's yeah. withdrawal from that, withdrawal from digital immersion. Yes. Um, you know, and, and simply for me, contact with the other um, has been just much more facilitated by my proximity to to organic, the organic world. You know. Absolutely. Well, that's that's a really great point too, because I feel like part of this work, right, the the ability to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then relate with some level of at least attempted accuracy, the voice of the other, requires you being extremely aware of your own voice, right? Which is not as straightforward as it seems. I find that um, a lot of times in the structuring of these practices, people will talk about, you know, emptying yourself so that you can hear the voice of the other. Um, And I find that that actually foreshortens the process. I think that being able to identify your own voice is the most important because if you can't tell what is your own voice, what are your own unbidden or hidden desires, what are your own instincts, et cetera, you are really likely to conflate them. Yeah. Spirit. Yeah. And I have found that the emptiness, the uh, the echo chamber is an issue. And what, other, what we actually want, or the, the vacuum is an issue, what we actually want is fullness inside, a full awareness of ourselves, of, of spirits, of, of joy, of fulfillment, or whatever that you want to fill yourself up with. Because it is through this sort of uh, Baudrillardian uh, signifying chain, right, that we are able to understand, oh, this is a spirit's voice, because it does not sound like my own voice, or it does not sound like my mother's voice, or my partner's voice, or my friend's voice. The more you have a, a, a capacity to rely on this human instinct of comparative instinct, the easier it is to start discerning those things. But if you yeah. can't identify your own voice from within yourself, you are really, really likely to project your own opinions, desires, instincts on the spirit. And that's, I mean, that, that realized danger. It does. It, it, it's a lot of danger, you know, and, and that's where, you know, we, we end up with, it's kind of egoic expressions that are, you know, either extremely self-indulgent or, or um, frankly, they could be at their worst ends, right? Self-indulgent or toxic, you know. They, 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 yeah, I mean, that's really that's the direction of cult leaders, right? Is yeah. I've got a main line with, he's telling yeah. me these things and yeah. have a million. That's, there's real risks. When we when we aren't able to understand fire, yeah, no, they they really are, yeah, and 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 it's it's interesting that we were getting into this particular area of it, um, because this is one of the this is one of the kind of the 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 threads that I pull in 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 my recent work in the writing, which was talking about like a kind of the idea of of creativity being that aperture to which a demonic influence can come you know but but also um that we could be expressed through our creativity the relationship between yeah. creativity and the other and then there's something slightly different there's that more direct connection you know um where you're getting direct instruction from the spirit who you're you're doing the work for or yeah. with, you know um there's there's just there's a there's a there's a difference there you know and if you haven't experienced either of those it's very hard to articulate what that difference is which yeah which one is which yeah yeah inspiration is very different too Mm. right than Mm. that uh possessory virtue as well they're both equally beautiful transformative powerful and spirit born but they are not the same thing correct and Mm one is much easier to teach than the other, right? Like you can teach someone how to resource themselves and drink the draught of, of, of inspiration 
of in of inspirited uh creative uh skill or gift or whatever you can't really i mean there are traditions that will teach you how to do it a practice on how to take a back seat to themselves Mm-hmm. And to uh, divorce the ego from the process enough to be able to like receive, mm-hmm. it takes a significant amount of trust. I think too difficult to trust in something that other people won't even believe exists. Yeah. You know, and that surrender is so much a part of that process. I think, at least for me, for me personally. Yeah, I I think so. You know, it, it's. But it's also it's exactly as you said, it, it is that ability to to recognize what's you and what isn't, you know, yeah. and, and that requires a certain amount of, I think, humility, um, yes. you know, um, and sometimes that's present automatically. Um, I think you're slightly better off if it's present, yeah. you know, to, to begin with. Otherwise, Absolutely. you're going to learn it. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be very humiliating and very painful and very awkward, and everyone's yeah. going to laugh at you yeah, yeah. or be mad at you. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um... <laughs> but you'll have well, earned your stripes. <laughs> you learn, but and 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 it's also like uh, I don't know. I'm a kind of person like I I have the self doubt thing. I always just think I've made a thing up in my head until I have yeah. some second third fourth party kind of validation right yeah um like with clients when i'm in a scrying session that's like them being like oh my god i know the exact place you're talking about a blah 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 yeah. or i've seen that spirit in dreams over it like i'm like okay i can relax into this thing for me i divine over literally every word mm-hmm. afterwards and i the the process is so visionary like i'm not always being given the words mm. i'm extracting words from the vision from the feeling, et cetera. And those are usually also words that yes, I'm being given, but first and foremost, for me, everything is, is in, is in vision, right? Because my primary faculty is, is sight is, is the scrying capacity is the visionary capacity, but then I'm there with two different types of, of uh, conf- confirming consecrated divinatory tools after both a, a amulet that I have for a particular um, familiar spirit that I can use as a pendulum and my cards that are consecrated to my primary uh, patron spirit, my lady. And I'm divining over literally every word I wrote to make sure it's the right one. And I would love to tell you that I always get yes on everything, you know, but the the medium, right, is not always the message <laughs> and things get caught up. And there have been times where I've gotten, yeah, you got it. Or there are things they might change, but no, this will still do the trick. It's still going to call who it needs to call. And then there are other times where, where it's like, I am, in, I cannot believe you failed so miserably, my love. <laughs> you know, like what was happening here? These were your thoughts. These were images from you. These were words that you chose. You were not listening. You are not listening. And it, of course, that sucks when you went and you wrote like a two page invocation or a two page, whatever the thing. And then you're like, well, I got to delete the whole thing, you know? Sorry, patrons. Uh, but that that's that's a part of it. If you can't be told you're wrong, if you can't be told get out of your own way, you know, then you're not gonna survive in a relationship with most of the other crowd. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's that that really is bang on for, for, for me as well. You know, I mean, even looking back and being brutally honest about my own manuscript. It's like I look at the weaker <laughs> chapters and they go, the weaker chapters are me. Like they're they're the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know that that. You're like I am forcing this. this these are yes, my thoughts. Yes. These are my my moments of philosophical rhapsody that are like fully self masturbatory exactly. for my own exactly. edification. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, these garbled yeah. ideas. Those are mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my proud babies. Yeah, these yeah. are these are his, but these are mine. Exactly. Know? Yeah. Exactly. I, I, one of the things that I found that was really um, quite quite lovely and and those slightly dramatic moments where you know like like you said when you when you kind of something gets so someone qualifies your 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 um, your yeah. experience three or four times but I had I had 
certain times where I was doing a lot of research and trying to find a particular uh, particular book, particular story, um, even particular passage in a story and would be struggling to find it. Then find the title of the book and find that I'd purchased it some years before and just forgotten about it. You know, so so stuff like that would, yeah. would you'd be like that thing you wanted that was really hard to find. It's on your shelf. You know, you bought it three yeah. years ago. I had a friend um, literally just shares a say that same kind of thing. Like, oh, my God, I had totally forgotten about it. But I had bought all these books for this particular spirit, you yeah. know, uh, and I forgot I forgot that I had them. Yeah. yeah. Time's not linear. These journeys look really weird, you know. Yeah, I mean, Christ, that is the that yeah. Try not to drop the f bomb. I mean, I could drop this is my podcast. I could drop the f bomb once, but you know. Yeah, I'm doing the best the best I can. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it, it's that the thing about time, like on and how it you will look back once these things have fallen into place and you have a kind of a bit more of a you're looking back and you can start to see the structure of your path. Yeah. It is astonishing. It's astonishing. And it's deeply, deeply personal, you know. Uh, and really, I, you know, one thing I would say to people out there listening to this is like, don't try and explain, you know. It is. Just, just, just in, take it on board and be very selective about who you talk to. You know. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an astonishing experience. So, so with <laughs> your, with your book, when will, when do you think that that'll yeah. be? coming out absolutely well yeah absolutely too 2024 yeah hopefully earlier i am about thirty thousand words into it um i'm looking probably at another 20 plus sure um i'm going to be doing some conferences around some of the subject matter over the summer and autumn and that'll like help get some final stuff out some motivating and i like motivating things where i'm like oh i can just double i can use these um but 2024 for sure and it's uh being it my my best friend the twin star in my binary star system jay jam hamadi who you spoke to about shams mm. al-marif I think uh, a couple months ago, he's doing all the talismanic illustrations for oh, it. Wonderful. He's probably the living human who is the the most um, the most equally enthroned in this particular stellar witchcraft. So we do mm. we kind of always sort of uh, end up complimenting each other's, and and I'm really excited for the process that he has for creating all of the art for it as well. Um, and he'll awesome. be doing some written contributions. Oh, lovely. Fantastic. But it should be a workable grimoire, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, it should be. The goal is that it it works when you do it, that you call and they come. And so we'll we'll see. We won't really know until it's out. But luckily, the I have so many amazing patrons that are uh, engaging with the work and experimenting with it and bringing me the feedback so that I know I know the ways in which it works and mm -hmm. can feel a lot more ease and comfort in my responsibility of sort of midwifing this thing into the world. Yeah. 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 That's the, it's just the appropriate word. It, it really is midwifing it into the world. Yeah. How does, how does it, um, you know, as it's coming out, do you, do you get a sense of your own like pressure in, in a coming out or do you like, like, do you oh my God, this, yes. like, do you have this impending deadline? I mean, we, as we talk about kind of like spirits not seeing time in a linear way, you know, e equally, you know, they're, they're, they're quite insistent, you know, and a slightly disregarded yeah. the human perspective of time. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, Jen Zart, Dr. Jen Zart of Revelor has been very, very flexible with me and has not, I mean, like for me, I haven't, wanted to announce anything on the website until the, the draft was done just because just because I'm like overly cautious but I'm getting close enough now mm -hmm. like a certain inner circle um and because I did release a publication back in October through Hadian uh, um well, listen, it's, it's been wonderful, wonderful to catch up with you. Um, Such a pleasure. Yeah, no, it really is, really is. And um, I'm so excited for for your 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 book. You know, your future book sounds amazing. 
Um, so you must come back on when um, when you, when that's ready to launch. And, um, I would love to. Yeah, we're gonna have a great chat about it. And um, for those who want to find you and and um, learn more about your work, how can they do so? Oh yeah, uh, my website is sasharavich.com. Uh, my Patreon is patreon.com slash Uh My Instagram is, okay, you're not going to believe this, but it's at Sasha.Ravich. What about my Twitter? Oh my God, it's at Sasha.Ravich. <laughs> and my email, this is crazy. I swear to God, I got really wild on this one. It's Sasha.Ravich at gmail.com. <laughs> I tried to make it as easy as possible. It's consistent. You know, I, I like to be extra. So I was like, not with this one. Don't, <laughs> don't try and use like 43 metaphors into a thing. Just let it be your name, girl. Um, so yeah, if you Google me, I'll come up. <laughs> if you put Wonderful. me in, my name will come up. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been fantastic to have you in the Spirit Box. It was such a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Right, let's uh, stop here. Fantastic. Thank you, Sasha. Wonderful conversation as always. If you want to find out more about Sasha's work, and I highly suggest you do, do check out the show notes. Clicky linky, you know the drill. Check out uh, Sasha's Patreon. I'm a proud patron myself. There's also a fantastic Discord there with a great community. So do check that out. All the links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Spirit Box. I'm Dara Mason. Take care and talk soon. Bye.